Um, let issue ten, and uh, sorry, we should have gotten a book for you. I did not think of it, so I'm sorry. <clears throat> uh, but we're on issue ten, which is um, kind of a two-part lesson we started last week. Yeah, yeah that wouldn't be a bad idea. Gene's gonna see if he can get you one to follow along with. Um, it's the discovery book one. They're new, but these guys don't have an excuse. Yeah, they don't have an excuse at all. Um, So we're talking about, uh, this is a two-part lesson, The Enemies of Grace. Um, Last week we talked about the world and our flesh and the impact that the world has on on us and the tendencies, the sinful tendencies of our flesh. And this week we're going to be talking uh, a little bit about Satan and the influence he has on our Christian walk. How do people um, in our culture tend to think of Satan or depict Satan? You think of uh, horns, okay? The, the red guy with the pitchfork and the horns. All right, so that's that's a, that's a lot of the time the way he, he's depicted as far as how he looks. Well, how do people view Satan like TV, movies, music? You know, how does pop culture generally think about Satan? Any shows that he's been in lately? His influence is in a lot of shows. That's true. <laughs> His work is well known. But actually writing him into the script, any anything you think of? Recently, you mean? Mm-hmm. Or, hey, anyway. I can think of that one song where he talks about Devil claims violence. Devil went down to Georgia. Okay, Devil went down to Georgia, yeah. Charlie Daniels band. about that show with the guy who just died? Uh, what's his name? Michael Jackson? No, he died from uh, cancer. Uh, oh, no. Played in that, that movie. Patrick Swayze? Yeah, Patrick Swayze. He, didn't he have a show out where he played? Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. But he, he wasn't... Yes, I, um, that was with Demi Moore, and it was um, Ghost. No, 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 oh. no. That, that, I, that, that, I'm talking about... Never mind. Before you were born. I, I, no, I thought recently, before, right before I was in a show that was about... Really? I don't know. I was thinking of Sympathy for the Devil, that song. Okay, the Rolling Stones song. Sympathy for the Devil. And then there was that, that move, there, there was a sitcom about, it didn't last at all. It was like a pilot episode and two other episodes. Where Is it The Reaper? You call it Reaper? The Reaper. Okay. No, they don't have any. Okay. Sorry. We tried. <laughs> um, so there's a show called Reaper that was out, that's been out recently, and I don't really know what it's about, but one of the main characters is the devil, um, who doesn't have the, the horns and the, the pitchfork. He just wears a suit. Um, <clears throat> I, was, I was looking up uh, some things as I was just trying to think, okay, how does our culture tend to view the devil? Um, evidently, the devil is, um, is a band manager in uh, Guitar Hero 3, you know the Guitar Hero games? Um, apparently, your band manager, his name is Lou. My daughter beat the devil, you're right. Okay, so, uh, so we see what, what Dale lets his kids do. Um, <laughs> But your band your band manager's name is Lou, uh, short for Lucifer. Um, 
he has been, the devil has been in episodes of South Park, um, The Simpsons, um, cartoony shows like that. Um, you remember uh, John Lovitz on Saturday Night Live when he was the devil? Uh, that's oh, yeah. going to be quite a few years ago. Um, but John Lovitz portrayed the devil. Um, and of course you guys have talked about, talked about Charlie Daniels Band and the Rolling Stones. They've got songs about the devil. So, um, the devil is, is, is uh, seen more as an entertaining figure. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a humorous thing to people. Sometimes it's a little bit, it's a little bit scary, but most of the time it's a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I heard um, one musician a long time ago when I was in high school who was kind of into... Uh, um, uh, music and, and horror kind of stuff, and someone asked him. It was interviewing him and asked him if he was if he worshipped the devil, and he said, uh, "Of course, I don't worship the devil. I merely profit by him." And um, he was very very honest <laughs> uh, about that. But the devil is a joke. Um, sometimes it's, it's it's something to kind of get scared about when Halloween rolls around, and the rest of the time. Is an interesting character portrayed in various ways in movies and shows in our culture. Um, but the Bible uh, obviously portrays uh, the devil as a very serious person, um, not to be played around with. Um, certainly not as powerful, not, not nearly as powerful as the Lord. Um, but but not something that we want to ever desensitize ourselves to the serious challenge that he is to our souls. Um, Satan's goal, though he has already defeated foe, is to thwart the purposes of God. And so his purposes are to um, drag as many people to hell with him as he can, and to destroy as many lives as he can, um, to, to be an influence on people to love that which is ugly and twisted and sick. And he doesn't just do that with the kinds of things that might pop into your head when, you, when I say the words ugly, twisted, and sick. We're not talking about the occult or things like that. I'm talking about much more sanitary and accepted things in our culture, like fame and success and and power and 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 being entertained and being happy. Um, those are just as damning as anything else. In fact, probably more damning because they're accepted. And they're not seen to be his work. Satan truly is um, our enemy. He hates us. And um, it's important for us to, to think properly about Satan. Not take him as a joke, like our culture does. But understand how we're supposed to respond. Because there are, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, but there's people that see Satan behind every tree and under every rock and are you know constantly constantly looking for him everywhere. Um, 
so we don't need to have the uh, opposite <clears throat> opposite reaction, but we need to take it seriously. Um, look at the sound bites on that first page, 10.1. First one is, Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. He is the ruler of this world and does what he wants. What do you think about that statement? It's not true. Not true at all? Well... He can't do what he wants. He's on a leash. Okay. What's our what's our main example of that in the Bible? Job. Okay. So we've got Satan uh, asking permission to do something. All right. What what are, what are your other thoughts about that statement? <clears throat> Anyone else have thoughts about whether that's correct or what's correct or incorrect about it? Is he alive? Okay. The prince of, yeah. Ephesians 2 2. Calls him a ruler, prince, uh, prince of the air, like Kim has said. So, yes, he is alive and well, uh, but he doesn't have complete free reign. He has been given, um, he has been given a place in which to operate temporarily. But ultimately, we you know, he has already been defeated at the cross. Um, what about the, the, the next statement? <clears throat> Every evil thought you have is put in your mind by the devil. You must rebuke the demons and tell those evil thoughts to flee. Okay? Get, lots of people are, are shaking their head no or mouthing no, but nobody wants to say no. It sounds like dog or bounty hunter. <laughs> dog or bounty hunter. Thank you for thank you for working him into one of our Wednesday. <laughs> it's hard to fit him in. <laughs> okay, so so why are we saying no to that? <coughs> What's that? Okay. In all places. Okay. Okay. Now he does have demons, but. To say that he's the instigator of all sin, we have a sin nature. Yes. Okay. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which okay. means that we can be, we are in charge of our minds. Okay. And think on these things, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is, is that Philippians? Mm-hmm. So. Yep, so, we, so we've got a responsibility. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, we... We, we think maybe we're a little bit more important than we are. <laughs> Satan's main goal in life is to bring me down. Uh, but what, is, uh, what does James 1.14 say? <clears throat> it says, Each of you is tempted when you are dragged away by your own evil desire and enticed. And after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. So yes, the, the devil is, is, is exercising some measure of agency in the world and and somebody said he has demons that he's commanding. Um, but we've got a problem, too. And that's why we said last week that you can try to sequester yourself away and be a monk or be an Amish person or be whatever to try to get away from the devil and the worldly influences. Um, but you still got a problem that you carry inside of you. <laughs> Those sinful desires of your flesh. Okay. What about, uh, what about the last one? From C.S. Lewis, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. 
One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. We think about that. We Okay, Kim agrees. Dale agrees, Jim's pondering. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. What's that? It's been a whole minute. I said uh, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. Speaking of demons is what he's saying. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. I, th- I think that's pretty accurate. Um, we tend to be in a culture, I think, that tends towards um, not believing in the supernatural at all. Um, uh, we, we, we want to assign um, um, physical agency to everything that happens in the world. That's the way our culture is. Um, then but you the other end of the scope, which is the religious people, mm-hmm. we think they can control us. Right. Which is just a danger. Right. And so you can wander into any Christian bookstore and, um, and pick up any number of yeah, there were novels, uh, you know, about ten years ago that were very popular. That were all about uh, spiritual warfare and, and um, you know, imaginative and interesting. I, I think I read several of them actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying there's anything wrong with those, but um, it can breed an unhealthy um, focus on things that the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about, um, and can skew our perspective a little bit. Uh, and get us off track of what we're going to talk about in Ephesians, um, Ephesians 6, you know, putting on the armor of God and how that's supposed to work in our lives, and we can get off track, and like Jim was saying, you know, we can, you know, think that, all right, our, our job is um, spiritual warfare all the time, and we're doing battling with demons and all these things and forming exorcisms and all that stuff. So uh, I, think C- I think C.S. Lewis is right on there. We're going to skip the case study for right now, but we're going to come back to it after we've looked at the Ephesians 6 passage. So if you can kind of look at uh, 10.2 and 10.3 together, um, we'll talk a little bit about Ephesians 6. Anybody uh, be willing to read 6, 10 to 20 for me? Ephesians 6, 10 to 20? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand, stand firm. Uh, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and when, with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, 
that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Okay, thank you for reading that. So this, uh, th- these verses of Scripture um, give us really a, a bit of a rare look, I think, from the New Testament's perspective on some of the things that are going on uh, around us that aren't visible to our eyes. And as the uh, paragraphs that follow in your lesson say, you know, Paul is imprisoned at this point, and it's very possible um, that while he's talking about these um, armaments that believers are supposed to put on, he's seeing a guard uh, right nearby, and he's kind of looking at what he's looking at, uh, looking at the pieces of his armor and uh, drawing some analogies for us. So in looking at the first question on 10.3, talks about the schemes of the devil in, in verse 11, so that you can t- take your stand against the devil's schemes. Describe, then, what you think are some of the devil's schemes that Paul mentions. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the flaming arrows would be, you know, definitely one of his schemes to have us doubt God's goodness, um, his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. In the day of evil, that you can stand would be, you know, with the word of truth. Okay. Okay. And that's actually doubting God's goodness is actually one of his first tricks mm-hmm. that we see in the Bible. I mean, that's one of the things that he starts with from the very beginning. He, he, he comes to, to Adam and Eve, and he says, has God really got your best interests in mind? Mm-hmm. I mean, you think he's great and everything, but he's kind of, he's banned this thing because he knows you're going to be like him. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want any competition. And you're not going to be happy until you do it. Okay, so that's one of the lies that he's used from the beginning, and one of the lies he uses with us right now, right? You're not going to be happy unless you do this. I know that's I know that's what God said, but He's denying you something here. Okay, He's you know the, He doesn't have it all right. You've got to think for yourself. Think for yourself here. Okay, that's one of his. That's one of his schemes. What else? They're not. We're not talking necessarily about things that are are listed in the text. But what else? What does what does Satan do? Okay. He makes things that are uh, makes things look good. I mean, for example, when the Antichrist is reducing. Make himself look at be like Jesus, mm-hmm. and he's going to be the savior of the world. He's going to do good things, mm-hmm. but his good things, like you said earlier, you know, he takes fame, success, and turns it into something that is not a good thing, which it can be a good thing. But we all know that the true meaning of success is not what he means. Okay, it's like Abraham. He was very successful. Joe very successful. That was not their focus. Right. Their material success. It was on God. Satan wants to take, he can even, with religion, take something that 
-hmm. is good mm -hmm. and distort it and deceive people. Yeah. Okay, so so we've, we've got Satan calling into question things that God has said and things that true. And we see him uh, doing a lot of deceptive things, too. He's the master of the bait and switch. Yeah. And he gives you something at the beginning, and it's not that at the end. And, you know, I'm meeting with a guy right now um, who, is, who is living that. Um, who has, has been into, into major substance abuse. And it just it feels so good when you start. And then you wake up sleeping in a garage. And you're spending every single penny you get on more. And it leaves you with nothing. It leaves you sick. And with nothing. And a slave to it. And that's the way that's the way all sin is. I mean, we've we've talked about we've talked about other things. We've, we've talked about things like success, and we want to have that feeling of I've succeeded. And so he just gives us the bait, a little bit of success, and then we want more, and we want more, and it never brings the satisfaction we thought it was going to bring. And he does it with money, and he does it with sex, and he does it with all kinds of things that seem like a great idea to start out with. And they leave us. They leave us hollow. Um, so he is, yes, absolutely, absolutely correct. He is. He is a deceiver. The, the scriptures speak of him as a deceiver. Anyone else have any thoughts there? Discontent. Okay. It seems to be such a, an incredible weapon. How many times I, you know, someone changing a job and they're like, oh, I can't wait to be through with this job, and, and you ever scrub a new job? And are you kidding me? You know, and it's just, it's the grass is so green over there. And then, you know, you see him again six months later, and, you know, you, you, you know, say, I told you so, ouch. You know, right. and, and whether it's a relationship or whatever it is, um, you know, I think we're, I don't, I don't know what it's been, you know, I, mean, I guess in the garden, discontent was a big part of it, mm -hmm. but I don't know about everywhere else, but it sure seems like right now, discontent is a flaming arrow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, as we as we just look back now at the things that, that you all have mentioned, you know, when we think of the devil and we think of the, the pitchfork and the horns and all that, we 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 think, okay, how's he gonna tempt me? He's gonna tempt me with these lurid things. And and because that's what the devil does. It's it's the dark, lurid, horrible sins. But we got a white collar devil. <laughs> um and, and, he, and he's going to be just as much behind all of the other things that are dragging people to hell every day. And he's behind all of the other worldly... We talked about the, the lust of the eye, the cravings of the sinful nature, the lust of the eyes. We talked about the boasting of what man has and does. And he's behind, he's behind all of that. Tempting us, or you know, knowing because he has been around for so long... <laughs> Um, knowing how frail we are and how, how our, our flesh can just be pulled away so quickly and so easily by so many things. Well, the next question, list all of the commands in Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. These will help us understand 
what is necessary in order to be successful in spiritual warfare. Start, uh, start at the top and just give me some commands that you see there. Be strong in the Lord. Okay, be strong in the Lord, verse 10. Okay, good. He says that in both verses 11 and 13. What else? Okay. Okay. It says all these things that we're supposed to put on. We're supposed to put on the belt of truth. We're supposed to put on the breastplate of righteousness. We're supposed to have our feet fitted with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We've got these six things to put on. And then what's another command that he gives us? Okay, stand firm. Keep going. Pray at all times in the spirit. Okay, pray at all times in the spirit. Okay, so you guys have have thrown out all of these, all these things. So let's just start. Let's just start with uh, and pull out a few of them. Um, I, th- I, I underlined, I think, the, the command to stand is used four times in these ten verses. We're supposed to stand firm. And so, you know, we've just had this description of, of these spiritual, uh, this spiritual warfare that's going on around us. You know, it says that there are battles not with flesh and blood, but it's, that there's these other things going on that we can't see. And so what we would expect <coughs> is, and, and what some end up teaching is, so go out there and do battle with them. Cast out the demons. You know, think of, you know, do this, do that, um, to get involved in the spiritual warfare. But is that really how the scripture no. takes us? No. no. It reminds us of simple things. <coughs> First of all, it, it tells us that we've got to stand firm and put on the armor of God. And so those are things like having your feet, uh, the word is shod, <laughs> I can't think of another word, clothed. <laughs> You're supposed to put on these, these, these boots of the gospel. It calls us to remember things like the gospel. You've got these, you've got these struggles against sin, you've got these, these darts of the devil and, and the people that are working, you know, the, the angels and demons that are working for him. You've got these battles with the world and the flesh. So what, do you, what is one of the things you've got to do? You've got to stand firm in the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that we've talked about every single time that we've met throughout this semester so far, is the importance of the gospel. And the fact that <clears throat> the fact that the gospel isn't something that just provides us with our entrance into the Christian life. It's something that we stand in throughout the whole Christian life. It's something that in every circumstance we have to keep in mind. And so when we're fighting sin, and we're fighting the temptations that are placed in front of us, one of the things that we have to do is to stand firm in the gospel and not get, not drift away from it. Not drift away into our own efforts. Oh, I've fallen into sin. I've done this. I've got to do better. I've got to try harder. As if it was just about us and what we had to do. You know, there is obviously an element of standing firm. The verses tell us that. But we can stand firm because we stand firm not of our own strength. We stand firm in the gospel. And the gospel helps us to stand firm against the, the, the fiery arrows that Satan hurls our way because it reminds us that 
the, the battle is already won. It reminds us that Satan is already a defeated foe, though he may seem to have power. He has already been crushed. His judgment day is awaiting. And he has no power over us. And the, 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 the sin that we have struggled with doesn't have mastery over us. It, is, it can't rule us. And when we fall, when some of those darts hit us, when we start to believe some of the lies that this is going to make me happy, or that God really doesn't have my best interests in mind, when we start to believe those things, and we realize the wrong patterns of thinking we have, we can come back to God because we have access to God through Christ. And so keeping the gospel, the, the gospel is, is the, the only firm foundation that we have in life. And it's the only thing that's going to help us to stand. And we need things like the Word. Uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, when Jesus was tempted in the, wil- in the wilderness, how does Jesus respond to the temptation? He responds by quoting the Old Testament. Um, and so, when we're getting the lies, when we're, when we're hearing these things, when, when our sinful hearts are, are starting to say, well, maybe that's right. Maybe that is true. Maybe, maybe this isn't exactly... Maybe I'm not really supposed to do that. Maybe it's not quite right. Um, what we have to do is take ourselves back to what's true. And what is true in the world? What's the only source of truth we have? It's the Word. And so we've constantly got to be filling ourselves with the Word. So that we have truth in us, part of us, We've bathed our minds in it so that we can combat the error. And when say you know when 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 the the song in Christ alone when Satan tempts us to despair, what what does the next line say? Upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. And how do we know that kind of stuff? And how do we mind ourselves? We, we, we have to know the word. The word is we've got to constantly be preaching the word to ourselves and reminding ourselves that the illusions that the world has to offer of success and, and happiness and, and what those things and, and how one is happy and how one achieves success and how one is fulfilled in life, we've got to have a biblical worldview. We've got to have a biblically informed, informed worldview. And unfortunately, we often, and I, I include myself in this, we starve ourselves of that biblical worldview because we don't preach the Bible to ourselves. We let somebody else do it once a week. And we can't do that. Well, anybody have something you want to say there? It helps me um, praying in the Spirit because oftentimes we... As we're falling asleep, or we get our thoughts drift. In the book of Revelation, where God says all of our prayers are kept in a golden bowl and mm-hmm. poured out, that helps me a lot to know that our prayers go into a golden bowl and they are used, they are poured out. Yeah, it's a, a comforting thing to know that God hears our prayers, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And they're you, that they're you. Right. Right, that He responds to us. Yeah. Yes, and, you know, and, and that's, you know, the, the last... I wouldn't expect the text to go where it does after 
this part about about you know uh, putting on the armor of God, but it goes straight to prayer, um, perseverance, petition for all the saints, and Paul says, and and pray for me, pray that I would make known the gospel, that I would be an ambassador of the gospel, pray that I would have boldness to do that. That's got to be our response to Satan. Um, that's, that's the way we've got to respond to him. And we're not going to have time to look at the case study. But this person who is, is, is just focused on um, evil spirits getting her, and you know, maybe, there, maybe demons need to be cast out, maybe this needs to happen, what, what we would actually tell Sheila is, read, <laughs> read Ephesians 6. <laughs> And get grounded on truth. Get grounded on the gospel. Pray. Um, understand the righteousness of Christ. You know, it talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Understand the righteousness of Christ that is yours, we say positionally, mean given to you when you don't deserve it. Righteousness of Christ that is given to you and the righteousness that he is bringing about in you. These are the kinds of things that, that you need to remember when depression strikes, or what, what, whatever it is that strikes. All right, so, um, got a few more minutes. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. If somebody has a Bible, I don't know if anybody has a Bible with them. Um, I'm there, so I guess I can read it. 2 Corinthians 10. Three to five. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, the question here about these three passages that we're looking at, what does each author emphasize as crucial to being effective in spiritual warfare? Taking your thoughts captive. Okay. And what, is, what does that mean, taking every thought captive? I mean, he's, kind of, he's kind of making an analogy here. Okay, yeah, that's a big aspect of it. Because we can hear ourselves think. And we're, we're yeah, we're, we're giving ourselves bad advice by the way that we're thinking. Because our thoughts aren't captive to Christ. Um, and that's the way the world around us thinks. We, the, the world around us would like to think that we are independent thinkers. We'll decide if God is right. We'll decide if the way God has revealed himself is the way we think he should be. We will go back and look at the decisions that he's made throughout Scripture and decide if we agree with them or not. And if we don't, we will toss him out. Um, that's our, All of our thoughts, You know, many people have said that as human beings, we are finite, and if we are going to come to truth, we're going to have to think God's thoughts after him. And, um, and so that's, that's part of taking, taking every thought captive, is, is, is recognizing 
And this is something that, that Adam and Eve sinned in not recognizing in the garden. We recognize the lordship of Christ in every area of our lives. Every area of our lives. The way we think about family, or our jobs, or any aspect of your existence, no matter what it is, you've got to recognize the lordship of Christ. He absolutely owns that part of you. Uh, what about uh, James 4, 7? I'll read that to you. I don't like it when they don't, uh, they don't put them in the lesson. Sometimes they don't do that. James 4, 7 says, okay, so we're talking about what's crucial to being effective in spiritual warfare. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What are we supposed to do? Submit. Okay, submit, submit ourselves to God. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we're supposed to resist the devil? Flee. Flee. <laughs> resist him, run away, submit ourselves to God. And, you know, the, the context... Of, of what's going on here is, is it's starting at the beginning of the chapter it is talking about quarreling among the church and, and James says to, says to them what causes these, these fights and quarrels among you and he, and he basically says it's your lust to have um, he says you desire but you don't have so you kill, you covet but you can't get what you want so you quarrel and fight and then he says you know how would you like to hear this in a sermon? Verse 4, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And then he talks about God resisting the proud and giving grace to the humble. And that's why I say, listen, humble yourselves among one another and submit to God and his rule in your life Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Don't give, don't give him a foothold. Uh, don't be proud. Be humble. So, so that's another scripture that, that talks about how we're going to be effective in spiritual warfare. Uh, the last one that we're going to look at is 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says this, Be alert and of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seek, roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your fellow believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. What's, what's the scriptures telling us there? Okay, stand firm again. Right. One other thing it tells us to do. Tells us to be alert. You know, we we've got to we've got to have uh, we we've got to be on the alert in our Christian walk. We've got to be aware of the propensities for evil that are in each one of our hearts, the propensities that we will have to become dissatisfied with our situation in life and want to move on, we've got to be alert, because those are the ways that, that, that we are, are, are drawn away from Christ. 
And again, I think one of the things that, is, as I look through this lesson and as we've discussed tonight and has been has been said very well, is is that the nature in which uh, we are tempted, it's it often looks so good and so right. And that's why we've got. That's why the, the scripture tells us in all these passages, you know, Jesus saying, "Let's well, saying stand firm again. <laughs> we got to be alert. We got to stand firm, and we've got to be grounded in the gospel. And that's how we're going to stand firm." Vince, sort of a master of discretion. Yeah. Been, oh, I'm sorry. You said you are. Yeah. I thought you said the devil was. Um, one of the main tools that. Satan uses is discouragement. Mm-hmm. You know, just just trying to discourage us and to get us to quit. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. And that hap- you know, many Christians are in that situation. Um, and that's one of the things, you know, that that's why I, I would think for, for you and for all of us, reminding ourselves of the gospel is, is so important. And why we have to preach that truth to ourselves each day. Anyone else have anything that they want to say before we go? I went two minutes over last week, so I'm going two minutes under. I'm making it up to you. I will not make it up to you then. Sorry, Gail. You got you got the whole thing off. Anyone else uh, have any comments? Things that you came across when you were saying? All right, let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take these things to heart. Um, I pray that you would help us not to, not to, as uh, I think Kim brought up, not to be conformed to this world and the prince who rules this world, um, but that you would help us to be transformed, changed people. I pray that you would help us this week to be alert to the things which would do damage to our souls. I pray that you would help us uh, in the realm of thoughts. So our, our sins start in the realm of our thoughts, in the, in the realms of our desires. And I pray that you would help the, us to take those thoughts captive, to submit to your lordship in every area of our lives, and to put our hope in the greatest treasure that we could have that you have given us, which is Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Gene. I appreciate that. You're so good to me.